Hey, security peeps, we are live with another edition of Breaking into Cybersecurity. It's a special edition once again with Federal Career Connections. I am Renee Small, cybersecurity super recruiter, helping awesome leaders hire great talent. And I am here with the wonderful and amazing Alex Harrington. Say hi to everybody, Alex. Hello, folks. I hope you're having a, I hopefully uh, we uh, this segment tonight will be very useful for you. And it's a pleasure uh, being on with uh, with you, Renee, as always. As always. So um, I what when when we chatted a little bit about this segment and what it was going to be about, you've been here so many times talking about various aspects of breaking into cyber or, break, you know, just breaking into federal careers as a whole. And I love this topic because, you know, people think when you think about people wanting to get into jobs, just overall mm -hmm. in general, the types of um, research that they should do and what they should know and what they need to understand um, in order to really position themselves in the right place and not kind of like not spray and pray, as we say in recruiting. So true, most definitely. Yeah. So, you know, definitely jump in. The topic is before you apply for a federal job, learn the landscape, the industry's landscape. So, Alex, jump in. Tell us about the topic. I know you wrote a blog, so we're going to put that up after afterwards as well. But I'm um, excited to hear more about this. No, no. I, and I, will, I'll, I won't stay too uh, long on this. I just wanted something to throw out there to, to at least start the conversation. But I always, I'm always here to answer any other questions when it comes to raising your individual marketability. If you are a, a job seeker or someone who's in transition from a you're currently working in a, in a position, but you want to do a, a transition or even a pivot, so as a, as a career coach, I'm here to even provide uh, hopefully helpful uh, uh, answers to this individual questions. But tonight, I just want to talk about when it comes to government service, and this is a very, it's a very unique time in the federal, in the, in the, really in the government ecosystem. And that, that, that kind of uh, uh, transitions across or not, that uh, really, yeah, transitions across uh, all the branches within the government when it comes to the when it comes to the uh, you know executive branch and the congr uh, congressional side of the house and judicial and and of course uh, when it comes to the many uh, various uh, different environments within government either uh, competitive service such as someone like myself political appointees which uh, 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 which uh, which is uh, uh, which those type of opportunities are found in the plum book, the plum book, and also uh, areas such as uh, accepted accepted agencies such as the CIA, and even at various different levels within government, from from a, just a uh, just a, a journeyman or a very uh, uh, entry level all the way up to senior exec. So the government is changing, and it's also in a in some ways, it's, you know, the government, even what's going on with in the climate today and in the information environment and in the political environment and in the in the in the news and all that, the government itself, the the, the two million plus did really kind of the, the uh, two million or so, give or take, which has really been about the same amount of uh, of numbers or individuals outside. I'm not including postal, U.S. US, uh, US postal. I'm not including the military. I'm just including the 2.1 or so million uh, civil servants uh, within the federal government who continue to uh, maintain operations and, and, and provide services. And that number has basically been the same going all the way back to the 1970s. And the reason why I say that is that, but the population has increased and demands have increased and, and challenges have definitely have increased, but the population of the government has not. And why am I telling you this is because it's no longer uh, just, you know, it's, it's a challenging, I think almost every position in the government is, 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 is going to be very challenging, but also fulfilling for those inter individuals who are able to, um, I'll say, break into into federal service. But in the blog that I recently put out there, uh, I was just trying to think about job seekers when it comes to looking at 
the federal government or government in general of, you know, where do you start? And it's almost like what you do with any other company. I know for me, as I begin to think about my own, my own encore, career, encore career, I'll be looking at universities and colleges and colleges. I'll be looking at the state level, not for profits. And what you, what I'm, what you're, what, you know, when it comes to that, looking at what that, uh, that industry, uh, that is really the first part of your job search is really uh, assessing the environment, understanding it, learning about it, talking to people who actually currently work in there, to be able to actually understand the, the demands within that environment and the, and the latest standards of skill sets are, are, that are tied to that respective industry. So a job seeker is not just, uh, I love that, you know, when it comes to blasting that resume, uh, and I did it. When I got out of the Marines and finished college, I kind of blasted myself. And honestly, it, I, I landed a job uh, hiring for UPS uh, in uh, near Cleveland, Ohio, because uh, I was sending out roughly about 170 resumes a week. I was I was hitting it hard. Bam, bam, bam. You know, this is mass mailing and cold calling. And and but you know what? Looking back, I would have actually identified those or identify that industry first and then identify organizations I would love to work for within that respective industry uh, and target, uh, 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 target strategically and intentionally, purposefully. I wouldn't just blast. Um, so right. for the government is before you start blasting that resume or thinking, you know, looking at jobs that you might think you qual- have qualified for, I, I would first say, understand the landscape of the federal government. And I, and I put a, uh, there's a blog that we actually, and I'm looking right at it, that we just, we published on July 29th. And it basically had uh, really four, really three major steps. Number one, uh, when it comes to applying for a federal job, to understand that landscape and to have a basic understanding of what government is, what the U.S. government is. I think if people really had a good, at least foundational understanding of the U.S. government, along with the Declaration of Independence, along with the the Constitution, which in my position and in, in as a civil servant, we're, we, we directly support Article, we're, we're mentioned in Article 2, Section 2, Paragraph 2, uh, understanding the, you know, when it comes to the having a, a disappreciation of, like, you know, uh, was it Thomas Paine, the common sense, understanding the essence of why we serve in government and which is, which is the primary reason why we're serving is to, is to make, is to, to be able to, uh, to, uh, help democracy work for the benefit of Americans by providing, uh, support services, protection, facilitating trade and travel, so many things. All but going all the way down to we're here to to really to support and protect that 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 essence of what the founding fathers developed all the way back in the 1700s. As a civil servant, you're part of democracy. And uh, in, in the Constitution, it, it refers to us as inferior officers. I liked a, it's not a negative connotation. It's really we are the grunt workers. We make things happen. We implement policy operations. So having understanding what government is, I think there'll be less, you know, misunderstandings and, and less maybe more appreciation what uh, what civil servants do. I mean, amazingly, what, what many of these folks do. Really, yeah. and also understand the structure of government when it comes to the, the you know when it comes to the, the the three branches the the executive branch which is you know I, we I technically work under the at the end of the day because I when we go into a government building we see the picture of the president that's my big boss the biggest boss we work for the president of the United States under the executive branch. Uh, but then you have the you have you have the legislative branch of Congress. You have the, the Supreme Court, the uh, judicial branch, and you have each one has its own unique um, uh, mission, uh, and all this, also that checks and balances. But under the executive branch, there are many. I think within within the executive branch of all the many different organizations, there's I'm, I'm gonna, thousands. Thousands of different types of organizations, big departments like Homeland Security, Veterans Affairs, Health and Human Services, CDC, um, 
so many big ones, Department of Education, but then you have so many small ones. I just learned, and I just learned one recently. I didn't realize this. It was actually uh, uh, the uh, Federal Mediation Council is part of the U.S. government. I was I'm speaking there next week, uh, or speaking for them through through uh, uh, through through uh, virtual. I didn't know the government had a mediation capability for both federal and and state. I didn't know that either. I didn't know either. Um, so when you look at the federal government, you're going to have to do your research. And in the blog, I provided some really good links of just to kind of get you get you started to understand the structure and the and the ecosystem of the of the federal government. I also talked about number step two is learning the major groups of the federal careers. There's there's more than 500 occupations in the federal government. For you guys, I'm specifically kind of, I know you're targeting IT, cybersecurity, which we need so desperately. Uh, but uh, point in the, in the blog, I do provide some links that will take you to various resources to research on those respective fields like IT, cybersecurity, and see what the required skill sets are, see what the growth is, see what the the average, the, the, the average salary is, the median salary in that respective field. Uh, third, for those individuals who kind of just throw scratch in their head, like, I'm not too sure. Well, I provided uh, really three good resources on, on that supports my third point on understanding the landscape is uh, using your college degree, using your uh, some type of education in your background and, and using that as a guide to see how it ties into uh, uh, different career fields within the federal government. And I provide some good links as well. And of course, I rounded off at the end in this blog. I provided some helpful links when it comes to uh, Go Government and ONET Resource Center. I provide some more resources and information uh, on the uh, on this blog. So those three major point major points. Number one, have an appreciation of our history. Why why we why, why was what what was the intent of our founding fathers who started with these 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 individuals that you know that we have this government today uh, and also understand the the ecosystem of the federal of the other government at the federal level of, of its respective branches and all the many organizations that, that fall within those branches number two I talked about the importance of really uh, you know, knowing the, the, the having a good understanding of the of those of those career fields or the, the occupation uh, such as IT and understanding that really the, the just the the scope of the of that of the occupation understand I call it the you know the snapshot the profile and all those uh, critical uh, elements that tie into that respective uh, occupation that will give you enough information to kind of number number one know if you truly are aligning your skill sets to that uh, respective occupation, but number two to see what maybe additional training you might use or you might need to actually meet the basic qualifications. And I'll add one more, and also how to kind of co- incorporate those core competencies into your resume. And three. Uh, the last is, if you're not too sure, use your education, use your college degree and see how those align to uh, to uh, to careers in, in the federal government. I hope that really helps you out because in your job search, it's not just blasting that resume, it's stepping back and looking at the, the industry and the, and, the, and the ecosystem within that industry and learning their requirements. And that's the key term I want to use. It's not about you. Especially as a civil servant, at the end of the day, everything I do in government, and I, I'm kind of, I, I'm at the point, I, I, um, I'm, I, you can call me like a chief of staff operations, but I, I tell the supervisors what to do. It's kind of fun. But anyway, but everything I do in government is, is not forming the position around me, but is making sure that I'm being a good steward in that position so it benefits my team. And also, at the end of the day, it benefits taxpayers and our stakeholders. So government is about uh, really, it's really your job search is not a, I know it's it's about you in one way, but when you're looking for a position, you're trying to show how your strengths and your skills and your abilities and your knowledge and your experience, all great stuff, how that can bring value, 
uh, to a potential employer or to a hiring manager, how that can meet their, you know, their immediate pain areas when it comes, or their critical areas when it comes to, you know, when it comes to uh, improving processes or when it comes to uh, uh, creating a new project or providing a service. It's you showing them what you can do for the position and for uh, those stakeholders that are impacted by that position, not you, but that by that position. Mm-hmm. So I, I really hope that you take a look at the blog. Blog is short, maybe maybe kind of really short. Provided a lot of bullets, uh, but I also made sure that there are a lot of links because in my blogs, I really it's not me trying to sell anything. It's me bringing resources into the blog that you can actually go to on a Saturday morning over a cup of coffee or tea with a bagel, donut, whatever, and going through all those informational links so you can grab information, apply it to your, your job search, and hopefully it raises your it raises your individual marketability. Yeah. No, Alex, that was that the overview was so powerful because I personally, you know, I'm not looking for a, a government or federal position, but just thinking through the whole entire understanding, the government understanding, you know, um, the different facets of the government. I mean, even there were a couple of different points that you made where you talked about the plum book and appointed roles versus not, and just getting into the nuances of the federal government, which I know for the folks that are on the outside looking in, it is one big, you know, cloud. <laughs> so to speak. So, yeah. you know, really trying to understand where everything fits and what roles fit where and where you as an individual can be a the most of service, you know, where you can utilize your skills the best um, is so very important. So it, that was like an amazing breakdown. And please share. I'm going to put the link to the blog out there. Um before we go any further, I forgot to do the two things. I forgot to ask people to subscribe to our YouTube channel. So please, please, please subscribe. Um, we are trying to build the YouTube um, following like we have on LinkedIn, which is fantastic. And number two, let us know where you are watching from. If you are watching or the folks that are watching, please let us know where you are, which cities that you're in. we like to shout out anybody that's here. So Paul Cummings has a good comment and Paul is doing some amazing work out there himself. He is uh, working with veterans um, and transitioning vets to get into the federal government, which is exactly what Alex did and a lot of his friends. And you've helped a lot of people do that through FCC, which is fantastic. And FCC is Federal Career Connection because somebody asked me before if it was like the FCC. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, and you're right. Um, we are now official entity with the state of Virginia. Is actually technically Federal Career Connection Incorporated. Incorporated. We, are, uh, we are. We have just submitted our application to IRS, uh, the Internal Revenue Service, to become a tax exempt nonprofit. That's our focus. We're turning uh, FCC Incorporated into an, a bona fide nonprofit, uh, focusing on education. Uh, so it's one of these things, you know, one day I do want to make my own buck. I want to, you know, when I get out, I want to hopefully have a consulting business on the side. That'd be really nice. But for this, I just felt in my heart, uh, to turn this into a nonprofit and, and put it on its own legs. Yeah. And, and I get to, I'm, I'm going to tell, can I tell your, your community about your, your decision? <laughs> sure, sure. Well, before you do that, before you <laughs> before you do that, let me just shout these people out real quick. Well, okay. Paul, so Paul Cummings um, says, when we talk highlighting your skills for tra- transitioning service members, how would you feel about them putting collateral duties they held on their federal resumes, Alex? Yeah, you know what, you know, Paul, that's a very good question. I'm going to talk as a career coach and as a hiring manager and as a Marine vet. Uh, hopefully, Paul, you were a, a fellow Marine. That'd be awesome. If anyone, any <laughs> other branches, I will I won't hold it against it. But, uh, but anyway, um, number one, um, anything that you do in service, in official capacity, official duty, that's within your MOS, 
uh, and that's military occupational specialty for those non-military types out there. Um, anything in official capacity, anything in collateral, anything even community endeavors, community involvement, community volunteering, if all, and those are all work-related. Oh, Navy, uh, uh, hey, Navy chief, Navy chief, that's awesome. I think great food on the ships, Paul, I will admit, great food on the ships. Anyway, um, but from official duties to collateral duty to even community involvement, all those activities uh, and there are their work activities, paid or non-paid, official or unofficial, if they can align, if those, if they can take those nuggets, those experiences, and I would organize them by core competencies, such as writing, communications, leading, uh, analyzing. Uh, I would actually, uh, align, if, they can, if they can align to the target career, target occupation, then use them. Use them. Number two, however, is that in the uh, as a as a tra- as a transitioning service member, the one thing you're going to have to do is that you're going to have to swap out. It's like swapping out. Uh, is really it's really uh, swapping out your those that military jargon, uh, battalion, platoon leader. Uh, Sergeant Major, uh, Chief Petty Officer, uh, Marine Sergeant, whatever, uh, swapping out those terms and also organizational terms with civilian terms. So, for example, as a sergeant, instead of saying a sergeant, you were you supervise, you, you're a supervisor. Uh, so you got the, that's one of the challenge, challenges for many, if not all, service members, both officers and non-commissioned officers, and, and also, uh, 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 also uh, those E1s through E3s. They have a hard time uh, translating their military experience into civilian jargon. And I get that. There are a lot of good resume writers out there who can help you. There are a lot of good books out there. I would also leverage the transition assistance program. I know that sometimes, you know, I know when I went through one, I was at headquarters Marine Corps. Uh, I, I, I gained a few stuff out of it, but I didn't find it. In, I didn't find it too much of value. Nothing against them. I just, I, maybe I just wasn't listening intent. I actually, I probably didn't really even care. I just wanted to get out of the Marines and start my my life in college. Uh, but using those uh, resources to help you translate that information is going to be very helpful. So number one. Uh, official duty, collateral duty, community involvement. If you can take that work experience and it can be, and if it can be aligned to that given to that respective occupation, use it, use it, and abuse it. Number two, uh, you, you got to translate. You got to swap out the military jargon with with the with with civilian. Uh, uh, the, the civilian lexicon, this is civilian uh, terminology. Okay, so for example. Sergeant to supervisor, okay? Uh, Squad to small team, okay? Third, and this is where as a vet, as even as a who served in sandbox himself, I'm going to talk to my fellow vets in a very intimate and very caring way. Uh, The one thing that hurts a lot of vets, you know, the one thing about officers and especially the higher up officers, they have their own cadre, they have their own support group, their own contacts, even within the JAG, even with the chaplains, they have their own. Enlisted, they tend to, even like myself when I got on the Marines, I felt lost. And I held on to some of the Marine stuff. Well, it kind of flew in the, it kind of flied in the face with certain groups or certain individuals because uh, they didn't care. I even had one guy tell me, one potential boss basically said, I don't care that you served in the Marines. So I learned an important lesson, and this is the third thing I want to give out: is when you're when you're marketing your when you're marketing yourself, when you're trying to find your own brand, you got to take off the cape. You have to take off the military cape and put it in the closet, and you're going to have to don just like that mop suit that you didn't like. You're going to have to don being a civilian again. Now, 
I'm like, I love DHS, VA. I, I've gravitated towards those type of organizations. I actually am looking at rejoining another uh, VFW group, uh, Veterans of Foreign Wars, because I miss being around with other vets. And I get that. And you can talk all that stuff, you know, to put the cape back on, talk about your stuff, all that good stuff, you know. But when you're dealing with non-military folks who never served in the military, my big advice, my most important advice I can give military is take off the cape and be a civilian again. Have a brand. And if you're dying to itch, go, you know, hurrah, hoo-ah, all that stuff. And, you know, I was in the military. Save that for the VFW or the American Legion or with other vets. All right. Don't use it in front of civilian. Uh, don't use it with, uh, with civilian. But I commend you, especially those who served 20 years. I did six and I got out because I wanted to see if I can go to college. So I, I just I have a big appreciation for those who put 20 years in. But you have to actually put that 20 years of your amazing service. And when you're marketing yourself, you have to put that behind you. But let me give a caveat again. We talked about the importance of all that work activities from uh, from official duty, collaborative duty, and community involvement alignment. I also talked about the importance of transition, trans, transitioning, or basically swapping out the military jargon with civilian with civilian uh, the, the civilian context. Third, I talked about taking off this cape when you're trying to brand yourself and you're talking to non-civilians. Well, let me just say this. The one thing you can really highlight is not that you led a big a platoon or battalion, whatever, or your whatever you did on the on the ship. Uh, uh, when it comes to uh, your time in the time in the Navy, Paul, uh, what you can really do is talk about those soft skills, those more so those professional characteristics that you acquired through military service. For me, one is commitment to the team. I can't leave the office if there are people working late. It's hard for me to leave. I'm very committed. I'm not nine to five. I'm very team oriented. I'm, I'm, I'm trying, I try to be a value to all those individuals around me because I learned that in the Marine Corps. So there's certain traits in there. And I'm going to say this for my military brothers and sisters that civilians will never have. Those traits are going to be one of those bread and butter in your summer qualifications at the last, that's professional characteristics. Those are the things that's going to shine that other people will not have. Nothing against those other people who never served. But the military has certain virtues and certain character traits that they acquire during military service that they can definitely shine in their professional characteristics. Oh, I know that was a long answer. I hope that helped you out because I wanted to get that out there from a vet, from a vet to a retiree. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Alex. And the, the point that you made, the last point that you made just now about, um, you know, you, you using what you have, because I think sometimes people tend to, what's the saying, throw the baby out with the bathwater, like they want to start from scratch and you have so much amazing experience, it just needs to be translated. So awesome points as usual. Um, let me just, Teresa, shout some people out who are here. Teresa is here from DC. Hey, Teresa, Pierre Brown is here from Temple, Texas. People from all over the place. Well, Paul, 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 I think is in uh, Georgia. I can, I can listen to anybody with, from a, with a Southern accent. I can listen to them all day. I don't know why. <laughs> Ashley Roundtree. Is Ashley, if you have a Southern accent, you can always give me a call. And I'll just sit there with, uh, with the bourbon in my hand, listen to you just talk about whatnot. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So now you can give them, Alex, the awesome news. So, yes. Yeah, so I, I am very excited about this because this is going to be a win-win for both uh, Federal Career Connection Incorporated, and also for breaking the subject security. So I'm very big on you know accountability, and I formed an amazing board of directors that <laughs> Renee Small just uh, informed me that she would love to be a part of. She'll be part of a diverse team, uh, and it's going to be an awesome, awesome growth. Because what I love about the board of directors, once we officially 
uh, do our uh, first uh, corporation meeting in September is that all decisions have to go through the board of directors, which is going to be, is going to be great. I can pass it on. Now I'm the, unfortunately, you know, and you know, I was very, I try to push it off as much as I could, but the board said, Hey, Alex, you know, you know, you know, you're walking like a duck, you're talking like a duck. You are, you're the chair of the board. This is you for right now until we get grant funding and hopefully maybe monetize some of our services. But I'm so excited to have you on the board. I think it's going to be a good experience and growing experience because I, I'm still learning myself, yeah. uh, even as I'm putting together the position, position description for the officer positions. But let everyone know out there in your community right now, and Paul, I'm even looking talking to you too, <laughs> is that we are going to be um, – I am going to post on LinkedIn. We will be looking – pro bono, non-paid at this time, uh, really three officer positions uh, and that uh, to for the for the officer level. It's that mm-hmm. deputy executive director, vice president, the treasury, and the secretary. And the secretary from it's not that you know I don't like calling people who are admin secretaries. They they are the gatekeepers, but the secretary in this organization they have kind of a lot of power because they have the official FCC incorporated stamp. <laughs> a lot of the official minute book, a lot of, they basically make sure that checks are signed, all that good stuff. So it's a very important position. But uh, I'm so excited because um, the volunteers who are currently helping me were really just really helping FCC Incorporated grow. Uh, Chris Westbrook and and Chris and and Crystal and many other individuals, James Steele, mm-hmm. uh, uh, BB Hamid, Hamid and Sylvia. Uh, uh, yeah. And maybe you found here. Yes. They're making, they are by the, they're the, they're the backbone, the operations of FCC Incorporated yeah. and doing a great job, allowing me to kind of bifurcate my time with the board of directors and, and with the development and also with the operations. So it's been awesome. Well, Alex, I am over the moon excited about this and honored that you even asked me to be a part of the board. Like I've been saying for the past year. I can't even believe it's been a year. Yeah. I think this month is one year that we've been doing this. Um, yeah. You know, from the first time Steph put us in touch and I saw the work that you've been doing and how many people you've been helping. It just was yeah. like a perfect synergy. Um, and especially in that federal space, because I say it all the time, not my area of expertise. So to bring in you and Julie and Chris Westbrook from the CIA and all of the folks that can they come in and are a total wealth of knowledge every single time I sit and I'm listening like a guest, like I'm asking the questions, but I'm truly listening and learning because it's just an amazing space. And I think a lot of people are like me who have no idea you know, the, the ins and outs. I mean, some of the things you just talked about just now, the plum book that I'll get back, I'm going to go back a little bit and have you clarify. But just even that, I didn't, I mean, a friend of mine here said, oh, the, the plum book. I was like, what's the plum book? You know, like, <laughs> I had no idea what it went, what it meant. So, you know, you've been to grow this from, because it's what, how many years old is it now? So it actually, it was a- it's 20 it started in 2012 it was a requirement it was a certification requirement for my first career coaching uh, accreditation as a right. career development facilitator through the national career development association so i i decided to build a community program and uh it's, it kind of stuck and i had right. a first group of volunteers kind of help kind of flesh out the mission the vision and and i and I, it was all about me though it was all doing these uh, doing workshops just myself mm-hmm. and my wife would be in the back of the room in the classroom, just taking notes on me and and gutting me when I'm done, telling me all the mistakes I made. But, um, <laughs> That's what but I was years, uh, it has, uh, you know, this is such a blessing, and it is a godsend because, you know, I was diagnosed with my first bout of cancer in 2013, a stage three melanoma, and then stage four, uh, 2016, advanced stage four. 2017, uh, 2019, and I'm still kicking strong after five tumors. Um, You're going to stay, Alex. You're not I, going uh, anywhere. <laughs> well, I, uh, I, I win either way. But in 2019, beginning of 2019, I just basically sent an email to some folks in the community. I said, guys, I, I, I'm tired. I can't do these workshops right now because of treatment. 
and Chris and other people like Crystal, they all they kind of came out of the woodwork. And they I worked literally, they took over the rest of 2019 when it comes to doing the workshops. And then um, I actually thought about closing it down. And they're like, no, you're not. We're, we got to do this. We're going to. We're going, to, we're going to do this again in 2020. So I redesigned the program in 2020. And then at the end of the year, because I finally got, I was taking money out of my pocket to support it. Yeah. So I basically told the team, if we're going to do this, uh, I want I need to, I need to put it on his own legs. Because I, I, right now, the point of failure is on Alex Harrington. I'd like to actually put this on his own, like I did with a youth program in Mansfield, Ohio, called the Rishon County Young Marines, uh, which I started back in 1998 with my, I, I didn't do it. I did it. I partnered. I, hate, I don't like using the word I. The Salvation Army and I partnered together and we, we started a program called Rishon County Young Marines. When I Google it, they're still active, which is amazing. I love knowing that that was actually caused by you know, little old me. Well, I want to make sure this happens with Federal Career Connection Incorporated, uh, you know, because for, you know, when it comes to when it comes to my situation, my health situation, I would love to. You know, I I can't just say it's all about me with this program. I got to make sure it's on its own feet. And so I told the team we're going to turn to a nonprofit. And so beginning of 2021, I hired a lawyer, uh, a great guy, and uh, did all the paperwork right. The you know the you know bylaws and everything, and and have a great you know the initial board of directors, which Stephanie Marsh is part of. They've been doing an amazing job with the with the basically putting the initial development paperwork wise, the legal paperwork into place for wow. federal court connection. Uh, they've been doing an amazing job, and then of course Chris and those folks like they've been doing the operation. So. This by far in 2019, I was actually thinking about closing it down. I can't even believe me. that. It was volunteer work for me. It was just I love yeah. serving, uh, but I actually thought it was time to close it down. But it's 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 it's, it's it developed a new life in spite of me. And I'll be mm-hmm. honest with you, I wonder sometimes I'll ask God. Not sure what's around the corner with this, go, uh, uh, Lord, but I, I will keep on doing my best for it and see what happens. But I'm hoping in my heart, sometime end of 2022, it'll kind of be on its own legs. So if I do decide to, you know, disconnect and, mm-hmm. and work on something else, uh, FCC Incorporated will be on its own feet as right. a nonprofit. Helping employees, helping job seekers navigate the federal hiring system, helping people become civil service, helping people serve their country, either in military, public service, national service, uh, community service, but at the same time, educating Americans what, 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 what a civil servant's uh, mandate is when it comes yeah. to their place within the Constitution, within the American democracy. I think that's so powerful. And I think that um, even people inside the federal government probably could use either a refresher or that level of education. I agree. Um, I think you would, you would find that many of us overall are uh, you know, just not as well-versed as I think we would all like to be. I met, I met a lot of good people. I still meet a lot of great people. In government, in fact, my boss, Paul, you'll like this. I have somebody who retired from the Navy. Uh, I'm going to give out a shout out, Jill Demella. Uh, she's uh, she was Navy, and I have to admit, it's great working. It's great supporting her. It really is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I work with amazing, amazing other people uh, uh, that both both overseas and here in country. I've met so many. Uh, but uh, there are also those I think I, I wish they would you know truly embrace the essence of being a civil servant. But many folks I've actually worked for, worked with, uh, worked, uh, managed. I worked for, or I, I've been uh, associated with so many amazing individuals, hardworking individuals. People are sending me emails at eight, 11 o'clock at night because they have to get something done. So it, it's definitely, it's definitely, it's definitely not what some people uh, uh, paint us out to be in, in certain media uh, outlets. Right. So Paul says here, while we're on the federal sector, for listeners, can you explain the government schedule rating versus a waged rating? 
that's a good question. Well, Paul, let me just give you, let me just say this, and I'm going to punt this, just let you know. But you know what? I, I actually, I'm not going to punt it too far, because I actually, I would like to actually uh, even possibly answer this in a blog. Uh, I am a hiring manager. I'm not HR. Uh, I'm not the 0201 that series. I'm I'm uh, I'm just a, a hiring manager. Someone who's built teams. I'm learning. I work with a, with many awesome H, uh, human resource experts in my in where I work at. Uh, but when it comes to the schedule rating, the one thing I can say through layman terms is that uh, for me. And for many of the 2.1 million employees who work under the who work for the federal government, uh, they are under kind of a, a schedule rating, like a GS general schedule. But let you know, there are dozens or more. There are so many more type of ratings out there, depending on what type of law they fall under. My rating falls under Title V, but there are other different ratings that may fall, fall under Title X and others. But that is a very technical question. I will say this. The best way to find out the answer, number one, is go to OPM, Officer Personnel Management, OPM.gov. They have actually a FAQ or a place where you can post that question or search your box when it comes to schedule rating. So OPM will give you really the tactical language. What is schedule rating compared to wage, uh, wage rating? So you'll get that information from OPM.gov, a very good resource. Number two is also, uh, I would just, one thing I love about Google and using very good Boolean, Boolean search methods, you can also get that answer from Google. It'll bring in OPM and other, uh, uh, maybe other uh, uh, public resources uh, that, that will talk about what is schedule rating. But uh, but that's a very good question. But uh, hopefully, I gave you a, a, an adequate answer to that question. Well, I didn't know that there was there was two different types, and I'm, I'm I guess now that I think about it more, it makes sense that there would be different types. But all of you, all a layperson that's outside of the government, here is as the GS. So the general GS-15, GS-13, GS-11, whatever, the GS versus um, anything else. So that is a good question because I had... Now, let me add something here. I'm sorry to interrupt, Renee. When it comes to the GS, that is just one slice of the fe- when it comes to like uh, schedules or gr- uh, when it comes to grade levels or salary uh, categories, uh, you can get a lot of technical, a lot of really uh, uh, legal information under under Title V uh, U.S. Code. Because everything when it comes to GS, when it comes to performance management, when it comes to paid leave, all those are actually uh, uh, are they tie into uh, U.S. code, U.S. law. And so my job or my salary or my step or my, or my, uh, my career field, it ties back into like Title V or, or U.S. law. That's what's so unique about civil service. Their job, their duties – all tie back through congressional when it comes to congressional approval, approval through through law. Uh, so the government is very vast, and so that that first point I put into that blog I'm looking at now is basically how the U.S. government is organized. Start there because you'll have a you won't be it's too much to it's like trying to drink from a fire hydrant. There's so much involved when it comes to government, but uh, you can at least when it comes to civil service, when it comes to employees, you can find a lot of that information under OPM uh, because they do uh, maintain records on regulations and policies on uh, on on personnel. Also under Title V and other uh, other uh, U.S. laws that actually kind of cover uh, civilian employees or law enforcement. But the third place let me just give you uh, one more place is uh is a, is a non-government organization which i totally re, uh totally uh respect and admire is the partnership for public service 
they are kind of the, the kind of the big uh, uh, NGOs, non-government organizations that watch, who oversee basically kind of a watchdog to when it comes to uh, the, the government workforce, when it comes to performance management, hiring. They will have information when it comes to the interest, uh, really the, the many different facets of uh, when it comes to federal hiring. But yes, so many different things, so many different hiring authorities. But um, does anybody have, I want to kind of, I'm looking at the time here. Let's see here. It's about 15 minutes. Hopefully provide some answers on uh, when it comes to jobs, uh, career search or applying. I'd like to actually move away from the legal side and see if I can give some good practical answers to, to job, uh, job seeking questions. Seekers, yeah. Um, I actually have another question based on what you said earlier, but prior, before we do that, Paul is actually in Jacksonville. Now I remember. Awesome. Stay careful down there, Paul. It's definitely stay careful down there. Yes. And Teresa says she's our number one fan. Thank you so much, Teresa. You are so awesome. Always here. Always willing to lend a helping hand and has been a volunteer and all this other stuff and always a supporter. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so I was curious, Alex, when you talked about the different, um, you know, people or I, I won't say people, I'll say me. Um, I always heard usajobs.gov is the go-to place. And then um, when the administration turned over and I had some colleagues here and they talked about the plum book and it was the very first time I heard about the plum book. I was like, what is that? <laughs> so can you tell us where, you know, I know that each agency typically has their career page. Then there's USA gov, USA gov, USA jobs.gov. And then kind of what you talked about appointed roles, plum book, are there other places that people can go? Like if they did the research on the industry and said, okay, I want to narrow it down to this area, this sector, this, you know, are there other um, resources or sources of places that jobs are posted that may not be on a USA jobs or? So there is, I mean, when it comes to USA jobs, I mean, USA jobs, I think if anybody says, well, USA jobs is not user-friendly, I would actually respectfully disagree because USA jobs was back in 2003 was uh, re-engineered by monster.com. So USA jobs before USA jobs, uh, and I'm kind of curious if anybody can text, I'll give them maybe 10 seconds. When, before the internet, before online jobs, before USA jobs, how did people, how did, how did most people learn about federal opportunities? Does anybody know? I'm giving you maybe 10 seconds. Yeah, I'll give them a little bit of time to chime in. I have an idea. Okay, tell me your idea real quick. What is it? Was it would it be like newspapers or newsletters? Or, um, that's one aspect, but the primary mode of information or the channel was actually uh, through post offices. So the federal government leveraged post offices, federal buildings, when it comes to advertising their federal uh, openings, federal job openings. USA Jobs comes along and it's really gotten, has gotten a lot better. Uh, and so what I like about USA Jobs, it is definitely user-friendly, has a lot of great resources. It only has roughly, it doesn't have 100% of all federal jobs in there, though. There are some agencies who, who, that don't have to use USA Jobs, for example, CIA. Or DIA, Defense, uh, Defense, uh, Defense Intelligence Agency. They don't have to use USA Jobs. So USA Jobs has most government announcements, but not all of them. Give or take, I don't know, 80%, 85%. Other areas that you can find uh, federal opportunities is, again, going to that respective agency's web, that agency website, especially that agency you would love to work for, and, and keep going to it and see what, what, what new information do, uh, do they have on it. Uh, so you can learn about that. Also, you can also, and this is kind of follow the money, the third way to look for potential opportunities is follow the money, is, is looking at the budget, following the budget process, especially when it comes to the administration's budget and the final budget, because some agencies get more money than others. Those agencies that give more money, 
Well, you might want to target them more, okay? Uh, so again, USA Jobs is one great way to learn about uh, federal jobs. Also, when it comes to uh, when it comes to agency websites, and, and again, following the money, following the money, uh, money, uh, the funding actually. However, the one thing I would not advocate is this, because I got kind of burned on it as a young dumb marine at Henderson Hall in Arlington, Virginia, is pay for federal listings. You don't have to pay for federal listings. The federal government, their job is to make sure that all Americans, all citizens, U.S. citizens or nationals have an opportunity to serve their country. So they, uh, they provide information out there through, through uh, public domain, free of charge. Those organizations that take what's off USA Jobs or however they, however they aggregate those listings and they put it on their own third-party site and they say, hey, for a fee, we'll give you this listing. Never do that. Never, never, never do that, in my opinion. Okay? Other places yeah. you can learn about federal op- opportunities, obviously, is employment centers, uh, also career fairs and, and, and networking, things like that. Uh, so when it comes to looking for uh, opportunities in the federal government, I would use a wide net. Just know that big fishing pole is USA Jobs, but just realize there are other areas, other, oppor- other networks or other uh, uh, channels you can probably leverage to keep a pulse on new opportunities. And word of mouth. Right, right. Yes, word of mouth. That's where that network yes. comes in. Leslie said. It is very much. I don't know what's the latest. Said word of- yeah, word of mouth. The one thing about networking, I know back in uh, like in uh, late, uh, like mid 2000s, whatever, 19, actually 1999 and, and, and later, about 40% of new hires uh, or 45% of new hires in the federal government learned about that opportunity through networking. Great, 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 uh, great answer, Rosie. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And then um, Teresa said career office listings, and she said that um, there were books of federal job vacancy announcements at the career office. You know what? That could be also when it comes to career offices, libraries, you're right. I just know one thing when it yeah. comes to books. When it comes to uh, announcements, and I have ex- my experience as a hiring manager, I will post a job in two, uh, for a two-week opening, two-week opening, or even a one-week opening, depending how quickly we need to fill it. So there's a lot of opportunities being posted that are very timely, and also they have a very short sh- uh, uh, shelf life as well. I'm not too sure how uh, how uh, reliable a book is when it takes a while to build a book. I think this is this goes back to when you talked about like when they would be at post offices and newsletters and things like that. I think what would happen would it would be like a printout and then put into a yeah. career book because yeah. especially in universities. Yeah. Yes. I remember being in the university like when I graduated there was a resume book. Obviously now, you know, it's a link to somewhere, <laughs> but at the time it was actually a resume book. So yeah, she 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 chimes in. This was in the past. Yeah, that's what I figured. Let me, let me say that one thing to Teresa Ellison that she made a good point, but let me actually give another good uh, just a piggyback on her answer. Uh, in the library, there's resources called like the Federal Yellow Book. I was interviewed for one when I worked under DOJ, where there's references out there. Now, they're in like public institutions, but there are references out there that are updated on an annual basis. They have the name of the individual, the title, the contact information to all the agencies in the federal government. It's called the, the, the Yellow Book. A lot of people don't know that. A lot of people don't go to the library to do their research, but there are resources out there that actually list names and addresses. That's one great way, one great way to actually network. Wow. I didn't know that either. So tell us about, okay, so uh, Clinton says, loving the conversation and insights. Hey, Clinton. He says, hey, Renee Small. Hello. (laughs) Good to see you here. Another uh, repeat offender, folks that come come and listen in. Um, Alex, you talked about the yellow book, the plum book. 
what are there any other books out there? Because I didn't know about the yellow book and I just learned about the plum book probably like three months ago. So the plum book does educate folks and I'll just be very quick. It comes out every four years under a new administration when they hire political appointees. I mean, the ones you see on TV gonna get in, uh, going through the gauntlet on Congress, those are senior level positions, but many other positions are political appointees, uh, political positions where you can find in the plum book, which you can actually find online. But there are probably other references out there. And I, again, using public institutions like libraries and, and other uh, research centers where you can probably find information about a particular organization you want to work for. I know for me, when I have time, because I, I haven't had time to navigate myself when it comes to my own, uh, my own uh, career growth, but I know that an agency that, that there's one agency I would love to work for. And I think one way is, is definitely network, but the best way to network is learn who works inside there. And again, leveraging those resources to see if you can get a name or at least an office with a letter and to be able to try to find even that individual on LinkedIn. But there are information out there when it comes to uh, how to really enhancing your knowledge of that, uh, of that landscape. Yeah. Yeah, you talk about the talk about when roles are open and people on the inside. I'm working on a, some, some one of my projects right now, and you know, before we the person just gave their notice, and you know, before this role may even hit the market, if it does, you know, the okay. person somebody reached out to me. I reached out to a friend. That friend is available with three other contacts. You know, like it, this is totally how it works. And this person just resigned. Like they just gave their they not they still in the in the role. So you know when you talk about that, and that's the hidden job market and being on the inside and the networking and all of that stuff. It's just yeah. so so relevant and so timely. So Teresa says yeah. uh, she wants to know: Do I have to give campaign money for the plum book? I saw that, and I'm not too sure why. Uh, so, so no, Tracy. You don't think. Give you don't have to give any money for the Plum Book. It's an advertisement. Advertisement. It was actually it's a free resource online that the administrations look basically looking to fill positions. Uh, you can ne- you don't have to give any campaign money for that. I, I know that what you're thinking because these are political positions. I totally get it, but just just know this. Uh, a lot of these political positions are in agencies. And so, <clears throat> so and there's thousands of these positions. I don't know how many now, but, you know, I'm sure there's still vacancies, but you don't have to give any campaign money to my knowledge. But this is on the political side. Just keep in mind, uh, I'm a civil servant. So there's a, there's a fence, civil service, political appointees, two different, two different type of workers within the federal government. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. That's, that's a really good um, information because I did, when I, when I went and I saw something in the plum book, they asked about, I believe they asked about political affiliation, um, but I didn't see anything about campaign. So um, that's, that's a great question, Teresa, because there were things in there that I was like, really? know you know very good question really things that they wanted to know so alex we are coming up at the top of the hour it's eight o'clock and i know know it's so hard to to, we get on here and we get into this great conversation and it's like ah time's up so um talk to the folks about just federal career connection as a whole you know everyone here i think this is i think the folks that are well folks that are chiming in have been here before and have heard you but you definitely have to give your spiel about the organization all the great work you're doing and where they can find you and where they can find your work so i basically you can find us at federalcareerconnection.org federalcareerconnection.org you can learn about us on that blog site. Uh, right now, uh, uh, we are looking at getting rebooted a bit because uh, it's really done by me. So I'm not a Webster. But you can find a lot of good information about us at federalcareerconnection.org. And uh, hopefully the, our blogs and our resources, what we have, may be of, uh, of, uh, may be of help to you in your job search. Awesome. I am creating it now so I could put it up there. So hopefully, yep, here it is coming through. 
federalcareerconnection.org. Folks, make sure you connect with Alex on LinkedIn. Go to Federal Career Connection. Federal Career Connection hosts two times. It's twice a month, right? For this year, it's twice a month, the second and fourth uh, Tuesday. I won't be having the team for next year. Uh, and I haven't told the team this, but I'm going to just say it now. We'll be going back to once a month next year because we'll be uh, writing a book, a, a workbook, so to speak, on nice. how to apply for a federal job. That's awesome. Congratulations. Thank I just you. finished another book with my co-host, Chris Folan and nice. Gary Hayslip. So <laughs> I know we, the process. We, we, we may have, this is where we definitely would benefit as you as a member on the board with your, with your advice and counsel. Thank you. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, so folks, Federal Career Connection doing two webinars a month and then uh, going into next year once a month. And then they connect with us once a month. Typically it's the last Wednesday of the month, but last Wednesday I was a mess. I was sick. <laughs> it's too big. Um, so we're doing it today. But typically it is the last Wednesday of the month for us. I believe it's the fourth Wednesday of the month. Um, and we will see you again next month here, or maybe at the end of this month, depending. Um, and we will be back. And Federal Career Connection has amazing resources like Alex, like Julie, like Chris Westbrook, like all the folks that have been here giving awesome, awesome advice as to how to break into the federal government. So thank you again, Alex, for always coming, giving such amazing conversation and insight um, to this group, to the audience, and to me. I learn something new every single time you come. So thank you. Thank you. Goodbye, guys. All right. Have a good night, everybody.